Well, good morning, and thank you for joining us. My name's Jim. I'll be filling in this morning. For those of you that are with us in person this week, uh, make sure you remember to fill out your connection card. And if you're online, we also have a connection card there on the bottom of the screen. And if you would like prayer, we do have a host of people online that would love to pray with you if you would like some. So for our call to worship this morning, I'll read Psalm 95, 1 through 6. It says, O come, let us sing to the Lord. Let us make a joyful noise to the rock of our salvation. Let us come into his presence with thanksgiving. Let us make a joyful noise to him with songs of praise. For the Lord is a great God and a great king above all gods. In his hands are the depths of the earth, and the heights of the mountain are his also. The sea is his, for he made it, and his hands formed the dry land. O come, let us worship and bow down. Let us kneel before the Lord our maker. Would you stand with us as we sing?
continue in singing.
for our reading this morning. We're going to read Hebrews 1, 1 through 4. Long ago, at many times and in many ways, God spoke to our fathers by the prophets. But in these last days, he has spoken to us by his Son, whom he appointed the heir of all things. Through him also he created the world. He is the radiance of the glory of God, the exact imprint of his nature, and he upholds the universe by the word of his power. After making purifications for sins, he sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high, having become as much superior to the angels as the name he has inherited is much more excellent than theirs. Let's continue to sing.
Let's pray. Oh, Father, we just give you glory for who you are, Lord. You deserve all of our praise. You're the one who created the whole universe. We created the mountains that we see. There's just so many things in this universe that we don't understand, that we can't see. And among all of those things, Lord, that even though you were all-powerful and you created all of those things, still you come down and you care for each and every one of us, Lord. And you're all in for all of us all the time. So, Lord, I pray that that would just sink in with us this week. The fact that you deserve so much glory, but yet you care for each and every one of us. So, Lord, I pray that you would be with us. I pray that you would open our hearts and minds. I pray that you would speak to us through the pastor, Lord. I pray that we would just still everything that's going on in our lives, Lord, and that we could just come and sit before your feet and hear what you have to say. All these things in your precious name I pray. Good morning, everybody. Um, my name is Andy Suarez, and I just want to welcome you here today. Um, you know, at Springbrook, we exist to glorify God, to equip believers, and to reach followers, uh, to reach others, rather, for Christ. And uh, I'm just, I'm really happy that you guys are here to be part of that today. Um, we believe in community here at Springbrook, and one of the first parts of, you know, getting to be part of our community and learning about that is filling out your connection card. Uh, so if you're here in person today, uh, you'll notice that there's a connection card on the row that you're sitting in. Um, if you're joining us online today, uh, you'll notice that there's a connection card link um, up at the top portion of the screen. Um, if you're on a mobile device, here's a, here's a lesson for you. That, there's three lines on top of each other. If you click that, that's a, you'll find the connection card link in there, and that's called a hamburger button. So there's your, there's your learning moment for today. Um, so we got a couple things that are going on here at Springbrook. Um, we have a, our starting point class that's um, starting up here. And so that's kind of the second part of getting involved in our community. So our starting point class is a great place to start, to learn more about what we're doing here at Springbrook. Um, that's starting this week on Wednesday. So it's, uh, it's two Wednesdays in a row, and it's August 18th. So it's this coming Wednesday at 7 p.m., and then it will also be the following Wednesday. You can still sign up for that at springbrook.org slash connect. Uh, so we welcome you to, to come in and, and learn a little bit more about what Springbrook's about and what kind of things and programs we have going on. Um, but we also have uh, information with Kid City. So if your child uh, is moving on to another section, I know that we have some of the grades that are kind of grouped together in our uh, Kid City portion. If you're moving on up, uh, that move up will happen um, with Kid City this coming week on the 22nd. Um, and then uh, we have been talking about that we're looking for more volunteers for the 9 a.m. to start doing Kid City during the 9 a.m. service. Um, we're not quite there yet, but we are able to start opening up at the 9 a.m. service. Um, on the 29th, we're going to be opening up, but that's only going to be for infants and toddlers. So if you're being called to serve in Kid City or that's something that you'd like to get more information on, I'm sure Michelle at our Kid City desk uh, or springbrook.org slash serve would be a good place to go to find out how you might be able to help out with getting us fully back at the 9 a.m. service. Um, we have a game night that's coming up. Uh, it's coming up on August 28th. It's a Saturday from 4 to 8 p.m. It's kind of a new thing. I, don't, I can't remember if we've done that before, uh, but we're going to be playing games here at Springbrook. So you can bring a game or just come, and we're going to be hanging out and playing some board games together, and we, we welcome you to, to come join us in that. Um, so, yeah, you can get more information at springbrook.org slash game night. Uh, if you're interested in learning more about that. At this time, I'm going to invite Rich out, and uh, have a great morning, everybody.
Well, good morning. We are so glad that uh, you are with us this morning. Thanks, Kyle. Appreciate your brother. Did a great job this morning, too, by the way. <laughs> we are so glad that you are with us today as we're continuing our series. We're looking at uh, having a heart of worship. You know, we had uh, uh, stories in Springbrook segment that we spotlight every week, and uh, we have had this up for about a year, at least a year, year and a half we've been doing stories of Springbrook. I have never one time had anybody go to that website and share a story. <laughs> so I don't know what that is, because it is so funny, because I hear stories of where God is at work all over the place. And I just want to encourage you that if you've got a story where God's at work, and you want to share that with others, maybe just to encourage our staff, I want to encourage you to go to that website and share a story. If you could, I'd like to at least have two people go to the website to make sure the link works. <laughs> and so just share a story where God's at working, because it is so encouraging for us and for our staff and for our church to hear where God's at work, because he is at work, isn't he? Amen? You know, we had uh, Bert and Sandy Nevlar. Uh, they have been at Springbrook for many years, and in spite of the fact that I told everybody there's a moratorium on moving, they're moving to Arizona. And so Bert and Sandy have been uh, packing. They're right in the middle of the move, and both of them uh, got sick. They're both in the hospital right now. Bert's uh, got some heart issues, and so please be praying for uh, Bert. Sandy is recovering. She's doing well. I had an opportunity to talk with Sandy last week, and she uh, was so encouraging. She shared the stories of how much her small group has come alongside them during this transition, both of the move, um, with their illnesses, and uh, she just wanted me to pass on how much she appreciated her small group and this church specifically. The people that have come alongside her, encouraged her, even on her way out, um, was really uh, exciting to hear uh, how she had been blessed. And then Tony and Irma, we announced they were moving uh, several weeks ago. They're in the middle of their move. They had to be out of their house uh, last Friday, and there was a snafu with the movers. They had to be out of the house. I think it was by five, and they were in a pickle because their house was still full. Just a couple of phone calls. Pastor Matt, a couple other guys got over to that house. There's seven guys unloaded that house. I think it took them maybe two and a half hours. And so it was so encouraging to be able to see how when the body of Christ is in need, how others rise up to support them and encourage them and to pray for them and to help meet those needs. Those are the stories where I see God's at working. I heard story after story of where God's been working. And I just want to encourage you that if you've got a story to share, we'd love the opportunity to celebrate that with you. We can bring you in. Pastor Matt uh, can record you. We'd love to share your story. You can just let me know. Um, I'd love the opportunity to share that with you. But I want to encourage you to share stories of where God's at work because it is encouraging and God is working, right? Last week, we saw that God's desire for us in worship was that we were to be focused on him, and through our worship, we're able to experience worship on a daily basis. It's something that, that we get to experience routinely. Worship is not just an event. Worship is something that engages our daily life. God is at work, and we have the opportunity to worship him on a routine basis. And last week, we saw the importance of worshiping him routinely in, in a daily reality of life and worshiping him in spirit and in truth. You know, we're dependent on connecting with the heart of God, but we also need truth in there as well. And so our worship is worshiping God in spirit of truth. Today, we're going to look at how much better it is when we worship together. There's something about when we come together to worship that is just better. Sometimes it is just better to be together. Now, there's some things that we can do when we're worshiping God alone. And there's some things that we can do uh, with our time other than being here on Sunday morning. And so there's different things that we can do to worship God. In general, we can worship God anywhere, but there's something about when we come together that is so important. You know, think about 
where you could be right now other than where you're sitting right now. I mean, where else could you be? There's a lot of people make choices about Sunday morning routinely. I know before I was a Christ follower, I was just, man, if my kids were sick, I, I was right there. My wife, I'll stay home. I'll watch the kids. I'll take one for the team. You go to church without me. And so for me, growing up, without understanding what it means to be a part of the body of Christ, I was always looking for something else to do. That was my weekend. It was my time off. It was uh, things I had to do. And, and so church was one of those things that I tried to fit in. And it wasn't until I came to understand my need for a relationship with Christ that I started to understand the importance of who it is that we're called to be together. You know, there's a lot of different places that you could be right now. You could be maybe at a football game. What are some of the other things that you enjoy to do on a Sunday? Just think about what you enjoy doing on a Sunday. After you get done here, maybe. Football, there's basketball, there's hiking. There's all kinds of things that, that you could be doing right now instead of being right here. You know, one of the things that I really enjoy is racing. Here's a little clip of my weekend experience. I just get goosebumps. I'm serious. There is something about being at the Indianapolis 500 with 350,000 other people. When that car, when those cars go by and you can hear those motors and you see that green flag drop, I'm not kidding you. It is exhilarating. Or when you're standing on the line, we got to get right down there, right down there on the racetrack. And you, and you, you can feel the motor when, you, when, when those race cars are there. I mean, we're talking 330 miles an hour in less than four seconds, three and a half seconds. And you're right there, and your body is shaking, and then that green light goes, and you take off, and you just kind of, mm. I just love that sound. I love that sound. I tried to find a ringtone of a blown fuel. I just, there's just something about it that just gives me goosebumps. I don't know, anybody else into racing besides me? I love racing. I know, amen. <laughs> What's something that excites you? You know, think about where you could be right now that would be exciting. And think about your time together with us this morning. Are you excited about being here? Does going to church sound exciting? I mean, think about some of the things where you get together with other people, and there's just, there's just something about when you're together that just is and there's the enthusiasm, you can feel it. When you come into church on Sunday morning, do you feel that kind of an experience? Are you excited to be here? Sunday morning is an opportunity for us to come together to celebrate and worship God. In fact, it is so exciting. That I want to encourage you. It's like a football game or anything else. Invite somebody to come to church with you next week. We're, it is so exciting. We want you here. Think about how many things you get invited to. My next-door neighbor has got an RC racer. He loves racing. And, and he right now is at a racetrack uh, down in uh, down towards Chicago. I forget what um, 
I forget what the name of it. It's not the Sears Center anymore, whatever that is now. And so he's racing out there. He's invited me. He goes, man, come down. I said, man, I got church. I said, why don't you come to church with me? He goes, I mean, I'm going racing. I said, well, church is just as much fun. He's like, well, I'm going to go racing. <laughs> That's just exciting to be here. You know, it's exciting to be a part of what God's doing. You know, those first Christians, that early church, those were people that left everything behind to follow Jesus. Jesus said, come follow me. They got out of their boats, they left their boats, they left their family, and they followed Jesus. For three years, they followed him. They wanted to be with him. There was nothing else that distracted him. Think of some of the things that distract us from worshiping God, that distract us from coming together and worshiping together on Sunday. Our lives are filled with distraction. Those early believers were focused on following Jesus and worshiping him with their lives. They left everything behind, their families, their friends, everything. They left the racing behind. That's when I might go back and visit. But they left everything behind. And then after Jesus died, he was resurrected from the grave. He spoke to them, and then he ascended into heaven, and he left them all alone with the promise of the Holy Spirit. In Acts chapter 1, beginning in verse 14, after Jesus has left, the disciples stayed together. With one accord, they were devoting themselves to prayer together with the women and Mary, the mother of Jesus, and his brothers. In those days, Peter stood up among the brothers. The company of persons together was 120, and Peter began to speak with them. They said, look, Jesus is gone, but we have some things that we still need to take care of. We need to replace Judas with some things that we still need to continue to work on. With one mind, they were united. With one accord, they remained united on what God would have for them. They were bound together. They were devoted to prayer. They were devoted to one another. That devotion is reflective of there's a constant activity. There wasn't something they were doing in their pastime. They were, they were devoted to one another. There were no other distractions. They were united. They were devoted to one another. And they were closely associated together. They stayed together. They stuck together as a group. And they were that first church gathering By definition, this is the first church gathering. A church gathering is an assembly. It's a community of Christ followers, and that's what we are this morning. We're an assembly. We're we're a community of Christ followers that have gathered together this morning. They're a local congregation. The church is a local congregation. It's the ecclesia. It's an assembly. It's the gathering together of people that are like-minded with regard to their relationship with Christ and who they're called to be. And uh, it's a local congregation. It's a, it's a group of Christ followers that are all together in one place. And so this is a first church gathering. There's 120 people that have gathered together to form this congregation. And while they're all gathered together, while they're all in one place, Acts chapter 2 records the Holy Spirit coming down on them. When the day of Pentecost arrived, they were all together in one place, and suddenly there came from heaven a sound like a mighty rushing wind, and it filled the entire house where they were sitting. And the Holy Spirit came on this group of 120 and changed their lives, changed the course of what God would have for us in Christianity. It's the foundation, it's the birth of the church, empowered by the working of the Holy Spirit. In fact, it's it's so exciting, I'm going to read some other passages for you. If you've got your Bible with you, turn to the book of Acts. We're in chapter 2. The Holy Spirit has come on them. 
filled the entire house while they were sitting there. And then, and then it says in verse 3, it divided them, the divided tongues of fire appeared to them and rested on each of them. And they were filled with the Holy Spirit and they began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit gave them an utterance. Now there were dwelling in Jerusalem Jews, devout men from every nation under heaven. They're estimating that there's over 100,000 people had come together for the Passover at this event. There's this huge gathering of people and we see this work of the Holy Spirit. People hear that. They're drawn to it. And at the sound, this multitude came together, verse 6, and they were bewildered because each one of them was hearing them speak in their own language. And they were amazed and they were astonished. And they said, hey, aren't these the Galileans? How is it that we can each hear our own native language? The Spirit entered into them and gave them the ability to speak languages that they other, otherwise weren't able to speak and other people were hearing that dialect. The Holy Spirit comes on the birth of this church and people hear it, they're amazed. And they said, we hear them telling in tongues the mighty works of God, verse 11. I hear them speaking in my own language stories of Pentecost, stories of Springbrook. They're telling about the mighty works of God in their lives and what the Holy Spirit's doing. And they were amazed and they were perplexed, saying to one another, what does this mean? But the others mocked them and said, they're filled with new wine, they're drunk. Peter stands up with the eleven, lifted up his voice and addressed the men of Judea and all who dwell in Jerusalem. Let this be known to you and give ear to my words. These people are not drunk as you suppose. It's only the third hour of the day. But what is uttered through the prophet Joel is what's happening right now. In verse 17, in the last days, it shall be God declares that I will pour my spirit out on flesh and your sons and your daughters will prophesy and your young men shall see visions and your, and your old men shall dream dreams. It is the last days, my friends. We are in the last days. The prophet Joel says that the Holy Spirit's going to pour himself out of the flesh. That's exactly what happens in the birth of the church. And that same Holy Spirit rests on us today and gives us the power to be witnesses in our Jerusalem, our Judea, our Samaria, to the very ends of the earth. We're called to be witnesses. If we have a relationship with Christ, we can share with other people what Christ is doing in our life. It's the power of the Holy Spirit working in us that draws us together. It's who we are in Christ that draws us together this morning. There's 100,000 people that have gathered together. Peter stands up and does his first sermon, and he says this in verse 41. Those who were, he tells them all about Jesus Christ. He tells them about their need for a relationship with Christ. And those who believed were baptized, and there were added that day about 3,000 souls. And then they continued to devote themselves to the apostles' teaching, to the fellowship, and the breaking of bread, and to prayer. This crowd responds to the sermon. They place their faith in Christ and they are baptized that day and 3,000 people are added to their number that day. Lord, I pray that for our church. I pray that the Holy Spirit would pour himself out on our lives so that we can be the New Testament church that we see here that influences our community for Christ. We are not to be influenced by them. We're to influence them. There's all kinds of stuff out there that wants to come in here, and we need to keep it out. Our mission, our vision is to reach our community for Christ and to build passionate followers, and we need to stay focused on that. And I pray that the Holy Spirit would pour himself out on our church just like he did in this first 
Century Church. They immediately made faith commitments. They heard about their need for a relationship with Christ, and they received it. They believed it. They got baptized that day, and they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to the fellowship. 3,000 people. The church went from 120 to 3,000, and they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, to, to Scripture, to reading Scripture, and to the fellowship. Fellowship is to contribute to or to participate in or to share with. We are a fellowship of believers, and, and people are, make contributions to, they participate in, and they share what God is doing. This church of 120 went from 120 to 3,000 people, and what did they do different? What happened when they went from 120 to 3,000? What did they change? They changed nothing. They kept doing what they were doing. They stayed devoted to the apostles' teaching, to the breaking of bread, to prayer, and to the fellowship. They didn't change a thing. And in verse 44, it says, all who had believed were together and they had all things in common. Now we've got 3,000 people that are believing. They're still holding things together. They're holding all things in, in common. And day by day, they continued to meet in the temple court together. They're breaking their bread in their homes. They received their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God, worshiping God, and having favor with all the people. This will not happen unless we are working together to accomplish what God has for us. They were together in the temple courts. They, were, they had a common vision and mission. They were, they were together. They were united in their thinking. They met routinely in the temple courts, in the larger group gatherings, just like this. They came together to devote themselves to the apostles' teaching and to the fellowship and to worship, praising God. And then they also met together in, in homes, in small groups. I am so proud of our small group network. We have a great small group network at Springbrook. If you are not a part of a small group at Springbrook, I want to encourage you to try one this fall. Small groups are an integral part of how we worship and fellowship and encourage and build one another up. Small groups are a small microcosm of what we expect to see in a larger church gathering. It's important that we meet together like this, and it's important that we meet together in small groups. We need both. We need both. They work together to accomplish what God has for us. You know, this will not happen by accident. Verse 43 says, when they did this, a feeling, a sense of awe came upon them. And many wonders and signs were taking place to the apostles. And the Lord added to their number daily those that were being saved because of who they'd been called to be together, because of their obedience, their devotion there was a sense of awe. I pray that you have a sense of awe about what God's doing. If not at Springbrook, at least in your own life. God is amazing. He changes lives. Every faith commitment's a miracle. The fact that we can engage and have a personal relationship with a God that loves us is a miracle. And there's a sense of awe that comes about from that. And that is the nature of what our worship is all about. Next week, we're going to be looking at the importance that our faith plays in our worship. It's because of who we are in Christ and who we are together that we can come together to be that all God has for us. And it's that sense of awe or lack of it that God will use or not use to draw other people in our relationship to Christ that are in our community. We need to have a sense of awe. We need to be excited about what God's doing. There's, there should be something happening here that we're excited about that other people see and say, wow, I want to be a part of that. 
It's who God has called us to be together that others are able to see that and want to be a part of it. This will not happen if you're just worshiping God while you're fishing. I can worship God from anywhere. I don't need to go to church. That was where I was, you know, 25 years ago. You take the kids to church, I'm going to worship right here. (laughs) I'm going to worship God while I'm fishing. I'm going to watch the sun come up, and I'm going to worship God right here. I don't need the church. The church is an important part of God's plan for reaching people for Christ. Can you worship God in bed? Sure, you can worship God in bed. Can you worship God when you're fishing? Sure can. Can you worship God when you're listening to the radio? Sure can. You can worship God. Whatever you're doing, you can worship God if you're pointed on Him. Can you worship while you're doing those things? Yes. But they are not a replacement for your need to be a part of the local body of Christ. They are not a replacement for our need to be together in person. We need you here. You need us, and we need you. We are called to be something together. Christians that don't think they need church do not understand their relationship with Christ. They do not understand who we are called to be together, and they don't have clarity or an understanding of the purpose of the body of Christ to accomplish God's plans, both for them and for the people around them. We are better together, and there are some elements of worship that will only happen if we are together. When we are together in worship, we are a powerful witness. There's something about us being together that just gives testimony to the power of Christ in a person's life. When we are together, we are a powerful witness together. And I love it when we come together, don't you? I love being together. I was camping a couple weeks ago. I was looking forward to watching the service online, and I got the table all set up, and I got the service all ready. I watched the sun come up, and I'm watching the worship, and all of a sudden, I need to go get a drink, and then I'm watching the teaching, and all of a sudden, I'm about to go get a snack, and the next thing I know, I'm over here camping, and the thing's playing over here. I'm about halfway through the service, and I was like, oh, yeah. It's so easy to get distracted. When we're together, though, there's something about being in the presence of one another that you just can't replace. And it's been a difficult year and a half, and, and I just tell you, I am so proud of this church family. You guys did such a good job staying connected together to one another. We've served one another. We've supported one another. But there's something about being together that you just can't replace. Think about it for a second. Look around. Doesn't it feel good to be together with other people? It does. It just, it just feels good. It's so exciting to be together. And when we're together, we're better together. We're a powerful witness when we are together. And this is so exciting. I could just stop right here and talk about this one for the rest of the morning, but I have four more ways that we're better together this morning I want to share with you. The second way that we're better together is when we experience spiritual growth. We experience spiritual growth better when we're together. That's just a a reality, and this is why. When you're by yourself and you get to pick out the music, who picks out the music when you're by yourself? You do. You're in charge of the music selection. And sometimes, what do we do? We have a tendency to pick music that we we like. And as a result of that, you know, we miss out on some great music. There's some really great music out there that draws us into the presence of God that theologically just connects with our hearts and our souls, that brings us into God's presence. We sang a song today this morning. It was the second song. I I had never heard that song before. It was gorgeous. I loved it. hope we're going to sing it again. Bethany does such a good job with the music selection. We introduce new songs. But when we introduce new songs into our, 
into our, into our worship, we grow. It helps us to get out of our routines and to think differently than we might have otherwise. You know, if you're going to pick up the Bible and you're going to do your own devotion, who picks the Bible that passage that you're going to look at? You do. I'm going to do a devotion this morning. Okay, well, what am I going to do my devotion on? Well, let me see. I really like this book. I'm going to go do a devotion over here. You know, we talk to our small group leaders. It is so important that we pick curriculum that connects with where people are and helps them get to the next level of spiritual maturity. If you ask everybody in a small group, hey, what should we study? We're all going to pick the study that sounds like, well, I did this study back then, or this study was really good. I heard this one was really good. And we typically will pick materials that we think are good, that we want to listen to, but not necessarily what God might have for us. And so every year at Springbrook, we go through what's called the Sermon Alignment Series. And we ask everybody to go through the same curriculum together. And so we're all going to go through First John. Uh, this, this fall, Matt's still working on the curriculum. That's all going to be coming together. We have a small group open enrollment coming up. But those are great opportunities for you to put yourself into a, a submissive role for what God might have for you, studying something that you might not have otherwise picked yourself. Does that make sense? When you're together with other people, they sharpen you, and your spiritual growth is stronger. You, you're going to grow as a result of being together with other people. We're better together, and we help each other grow spiritually when we're better together, better. You know, left on our own, we do not challenge ourselves. And to grow spiritually, we need to be challenged. We need to grow in those areas. We all have blind spots, right? We all have blind spots. And when we're together, we grow stronger. We all have blind spots. We all need to grow in areas that we're unaware of. There's things that I know I don't know. There's things that I know I don't know. But then there's also things that I don't know I don't know. And I need other people speaking into my life saying, hey, have you thought about this? Did you see this? We need to speak into each other's lives and we need to sharpen one another and then we grow as a result of that. Last week I shared with you, uh, I'm a grandfather, two times over, grandpa, twice over now. Ezra is almost three and, and Silas, the baby, that's his baby. And so now it's funny because Ezra loves this, loves his brother. Who's my baby? My baby. And so Ezra's really done a good job coming along Silas. Ezra's getting big. He's learning to use the toilet. And so he's a big kid now. Yay! I'm a big kid now. (laughs) Is he a big kid? He's bigger than his brother Silas, isn't he? Has he reached maturity yet? Has he reached adulthood? When you talk to people in general about their spiritual walk. I'm fine. Me and God are okay. I don't need anything. I'm a big kid now. (laughs) There's a lot of Christians that are walking around thinking they're big kids, but they're missing out on so much more that God has for them. They're not growing into maturity. They've become stagnant in their faith, and they're going to be blindsided when they realize they're not growing. And something happens in their life, and they're going to be, oh, this just happened in my life. Well, you know, God is sovereign and is in control. And so when we come together, we sharpen one another, and we help each other grow. There are things that we know we don't know, and there's things that we don't know we don't know. And together, we sharpen one another. We spur one another on towards faith and good works. It's important that we be together. In Ephesians chapter 4, Paul is writing about our unity in Christ. 
Um, he talks about the fact that there's one body. There's one body. There's, there's one Lord. There's, there's one spirit. He says in verse 4, just as you were called to the one hope that belongs to your call, verse 5, there's one Lord, one faith, one baptism, there's one God, and there's one Father of us of all who is over all and through all. So we all are bound together because of this one faith, this one baptism, you know, this one God that we serve together. In verse 11 of chapter 4, he says, in the context of this body of Christ, there are some that he gave to be apostles, some to be prophets, evangelists, and shepherds, and teachers to equip the saints for the work of ministry, for the building up of the body of Christ, until we all attain to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the measure of the stature and the fullness of Jesus Christ. Building up the body of Christ, for the building up the body of Christ, until we all attain the unity of faith and the knowledge of the Son of God to mature manhood, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Jesus Christ. Building up the body, unity of faith, knowledge of the Son of God, mature. Are we all there yet? I mean, do you feel like we are all united together with where we are spiritually? We're not. We're all at different places. If you don't have a relationship with Christ, I am so glad that you are here this morning. Jesus Christ died for your sins. God loves you enough that he sent his son to pay the penalty for your sin. And you can have a relationship with him. You ask Christ to come into your life. And we talked last week about it's not just about a prayer. There needs to be a heart change. And if you want to know more about how to have a relationship with Christ, we want to help you. That's a part of helping you to become a part of who we are together. Every member of Springbrook Community Church has made a faith commitment and has been baptized and has made it entered into a covenant relationship with others in our church family. I think we have like 170 members. For a church that's got you know, you know, almost 750 people in our roster, we've got 170 members. And so if you're not a member of Springbrook yet, you might want to consider becoming a member so that you can understand our, our vision, our mission, and our values. Our starting point workshop next Wednesday is a little bit about who we are, about why we exist, and who we are together. And you don't have to become a member, but I would encourage you that if you want to know more about our ministry, and how to be a part of what God's doing in and through this community of believers, join us for Starting Point. It's a great opportunity to, to hear a little bit more about what this body of Christ is about. But we're all growing in our faith. You know, we all need to grow in our faith. It's not as if, okay, I've been a believer 25 years now. I'm good. We all continue to grow in our faith, and we sharpen each other in, in that. And, and spiritual growth happens best when we are together. And Jesus Christ is our standard. It's Christ-likeness that we're pursuing. And every one of us is going to fall short of that. It's not about being perfect. It's about understanding that we're on a journey towards Christ-likeness until that day that God calls us home. We're constantly growing in our faith. And it doesn't matter if you're 10, 15, 50, 80. We're growing in our faith towards Christ-likeness until that day that he calls us home. And we need each other to sharpen one another so that we can grow together. Our spiritual growth happens best when we are together. And you know what else? We're also safer together. We're a witness, we grow better, and we're safer together. <laughs> when we lock arms together, we are safer. There's spiritual protection that happens when we're together. 
I don't know if you know this or not, but there is a lot of bad information out there. Has anybody run into that? There's a lot of bad information out there. There's, there's doctrines, there's, there's, you know, there's all kinds of things that work against us. You know, verse 14, Ephesians said that, 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 that we're growing up in our faith so that we may no longer be children. We don't want to be kids anymore. We want to grow towards maturity. No longer be children, what? Tossed around to and fro by waves and carried around by every wind of doctrine, by human cunning and the craftiness and deceitful schemes. There's craftiness out there. There's deceitful schemes out there. There's misinformation out there. There's people that don't believe that Jesus is God. There's people that don't believe we need a relationship with Christ. There's people that believe that this book is something that's optional, that we can kind of go through and pick and choose what we want. There's people that, that are part of churches that don't hold to the same doctrinal truths that you find in a true church. And so we need to make sure that our doctrine is, is, is clear. And, and, and so we talk about those things. It's important that we lock arms to remind ourselves, to encourage one another. Jesus is God. He did die on the cross for my sins. Praise God. I, I'm, I have the assurance of knowing where I'm going. The Bible is God's word. It's useful for teaching, for training, for rebuke, so that we can, so that we can be found approved when we stand before God. The Bible is God's word. And we submit ourselves to it all. Heaven and hell are real. There's people that don't believe in either one of those. There's people that believe in heaven that don't believe in hell. There's people that believe, hey, everybody goes to heaven. You just have to be a good person. There's some people that don't understand that Jesus is going to return. He came the first time to save. He's coming back as a judge. There's some people that believe he's not going to judge. That we're all just going to go to heaven. And it's prevalent in our culture to find a church that believes in the inerrancy of Scripture that believes that Jesus is God, that the, the Bible is useful for teaching, for reproof, and, and believes in the reality of heaven and hell, it's a smaller number than you would think it would be. It's disappointing when you go down through the list of churches in the yellow pages or on the internet that the majority of what you're seeing is probably not holding to what you would consider biblical truth and doctrine. And so it's important that we lock together, that we be united on those things so that we can sharpen and protect one another. Because when you leave here, you're going to go into your workplace. You're going to have a conversation with a friend, a neighbor. It might be a family member. And so when we're together, we're sharpened one another, and we protect one another. We guard the truth. And so there's protection that comes about as a result of being together. In Ecclesiastes chapter 4, it says that one person on their own is easily overtaken. And so if you are a Lone Ranger Christian, then you are missing out on the majority of what God has for you as a part of the body of Christ and your risk of being overtaken. There are no Lone Ranger Christians. We have got to be together. One can be overtaken, but guess what? A cord of three strands is not easily broken. By being together, we're protecting one another. We're protecting the body of Christ And it's important that we be together for this reason. That's something that you're not going to find on your own. You need to be together where you can experience being a part of a global witness of what God has for us, where you can experience genuine spiritual growth, and you can be protected and grounded in your faith. We're better protected when we're together, and God is glorified when we're together as well. There's something about when we're together that just points everything to who God is. You know why we're here this morning? To worship God. This entire morning is geared towards Him. 
And when we're together, it better glorifies him. Now, you can glorify God with your own life. You can, you can worship God on your own. There's things that you can do on your own. You can use your gifts. You can share your faith in your workplace. You, there's things that you can do on your own that bring glory to God. But there are some things that bring God glory that you can't accomplish on your own. And one of them is this. It's the corporate worship. It's the who we're called to be together as we use our spiritual gifts and build up this body of Christ and bring him glory. In 1 Peter 4.10, it says every believer has a spiritual gift. If you're a Christ follower, you have a spiritual gift to use to serve one another. That gift was not given to you for your benefit. That spiritual gift was given to you so that you could serve others in the body of Christ, to serve one another. You're a steward of it. My kids don't belong to me. I had them for 18 years, and now they're on their own. I was a steward of my kids while I had them, and now they're on their own. You have a spiritual gift, and you're to be a steward of it. You're to use it in a way that God's grace plays itself out in your life. Whoever speaks, let him speak as one who is speaking oracles of God. Whoever serves as one who serves by the strength that God supplies. We don't do things in our own strength. God calls us. He gives us a gift and he gives us ministry opportunities and we serve him in his strength that he provides, not in our own. And all of these things happen for what reason? In order, with the result, for the purpose that in everything God may be glorified through Jesus Christ. To him belong the glory, dominion forever and ever. Amen. When we're together serving one another, exercising our spiritual gifts, God is glorified, and there's something powerful about who we are called to be together. Every believer has a spiritual gift to serve, to give, and to share. And as you use your gifts, it strengthens our body of Christ. We have a spiritual gifts class that's going to be coming up soon. The tentative first date is uh, September 8th. It's a three-week workshop, meets in the evening. We're still uh, I'm, I'm hoping that we can move to in-person because we cover a lot of material. It's difficult to do on Zoom, uh, so we're still trying to work out some of the mechanics of that. But if you're interested in knowing more about your spiritual gift and how to unlock the power of your spiritual gift, I want to encourage you to check out that spiritual gifts uh, workshop. Um, there's an opportunity that, um, that comes along. We do those spiritual gift shops. Uh, we try to do them at least four times a year. We're still trying to pick up you know, from this last year and a half, but if you don't know your spiritual gift, I want to encourage you to, to look for an opportunity um, to, to jump in and, and pick up on that. I also want to just let you know how much I appreciate all of you who have jumped onto our reading plans. We do a reading plan. We have reading plans that are corresponding to our teaching each week, and so I know many of you jumped onto that. And so if you want to know more about our reading plans or about our spiritual gifts or about how to get connected, um, all of this is available on our website. It's on our app. I want to encourage you to find a place that you can connect and grow and uh, if you want to know more, just visit our website. Actually, if you click this link on the website and just go to the current series, all of these links are built right in um, to that um, worship series. You know, we are better together. We're better together in worship. We're better together in our witness. We're better together as we grow spiritually, as we bring God's glory. And then we're also better together as we share the assurance of our faith together. You know, we need each other to remind each other that these promises of God, we can count on. We have the assurance of our faith. We have the assurance of our faith. And that's something that happens when we come together. Guess what? There's times when you're by yourself at night. Have you ever been by yourself and you think, you start having doubts, and you're kind of wondering where God's in this, and, you know, 
Ideally, you pick up the phone call and you find somebody that can pray for you, that can talk you through. And when you come together on Sunday morning, we, we encourage one another. And so we're going to go through these periods of doubts and, and trials, and we have these tribulations, but we know that our peace is found in Christ. And when we come together, we have an opportunity to share that with one another. And so there's something about what happens when you come together on Sunday morning where you can be encouraged just by being with other people that are like-minded in the way you think. And, and yeah, this is a reality. These promises of God, you can't trust them. And we're all in this together. And when you come together on Sunday morning, it's an opportunity for us to encourage one another in the assurances of our faith. In Hebrews um, chapter 10, again, um, Paul's writing, he talks about the fact, the hope, the reality that we do have in Christ. He's talking about the assurances of our faith. Let's see here. Lost my place marker. In chapter 10, talking about Christ's sacrifice for all. He moves into verse 19. He talks about the full assurance of our faith. Brothers, since we have this confidence to enter the holy places by the blood of Jesus, by the new and living way that he opened up through us to this curtain, that is to the flesh, and since we have a great priest over the house of God, let us draw near with a true heart and the full assurance of faith with our hearts sprinkled clean from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. And then down in verse 23, he says this, Let us hold fast to this confession of our hope. Let us hold fast to the confession of our hope. Our hope is in Christ. We've, we publicly confess our faith in him. And, and, and that hope that we have is a result of our trusting Jesus Christ. And so let us hold fast to our confession of our hope without wavering. For he who promised is faithful. God promises us to save us. We confess with our mouth, Jesus is Lord. We believe in our heart, God raised him from the grave. He changes us. We're made new. The old is gone. We're made new. And when Christ returns, we have the assurance of spending eternity with him in heaven. That's a promise. And so that's an assurance that you can share. So you're not crazy. You know, it's one that we all share together. And and you're here this morning, and hopefully that encourages you. You know, hold fast to that confession and let us consider how to stir one another up. I love that idea. We need to be stirred up. You know, if you think about, you know what happens? Uh, I make my, I do a coffee. I make coffee in the morning and I press it and I have to stir it because all the ground's soaked to the bottom. We need to stir one another up. There's nothing stagnant about our faith. Following Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior is not something we do in our spare time. It's, it's who we're called to be and we need to stir one another up and to, to do love, to love one another and to do good works. You know, faith without works is dead. We need to be encouraging one another. To use the gifts that God's given us so this body of Christ can be strengthened so that others can come to understand their need for a relationship with Christ and so we can be sanctified and grow in our faith. We need to stir one another up and not neglect meeting together as some are in the habit of doing. This is so important. It is so important that we take the time to meet together in our temple courts to devote ourselves to the apostles' teaching, to the breaking of bread, and to fellowship. Being together is who we are called to be, and we need to not forsake meeting together. We're stirring one another up, stirring one another up to love one another and to serve one another and to serve our community and not forsaking meeting together. You can't do this on your own. This Christian walk that we've been called to, we've been called to do in community with other believers. The church is an integral part of our spiritual life. 
And we, we can't forsake the meeting together. This is so important, and it's, it's such an important part of our worship. Yes, you can worship God in the morning when you're laying in bed by yourself listening to music. But there's something about when we come together that is critically important about how we worship God. It's important that we, that we encourage one another in this way. You know, right now we're going through you know, some stuff in our community. You know, we've got, when this COVID is, thing's behind us, you know what's going to happen when COVID's behind us? Something else. There's always going to be something. We're coming up on the 20th anniversary of 9-11. That shook our country. You look down through history, 100 years ago, Civil War. Think if you look throughout history, all the way back to what? Genesis chapter 1. <laughs> From the very beginning. From the very beginning. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. We got to chapter 2 and the whole thing went sideways. Sinners entered into the world. And we have to, we have to deal with that. Jesus Christ is the solution. And, and until he comes, and until we're back in God's presence, we need to be together encouraging one another. Because there's always going to be something happening. There's always going to be something happening. It's a jungle out there. And we need each other. We need to encourage one another. You need to understand that you're a part of a, being a, of, a, of a community of believers that God's using to be a powerful witness in our community. It's spiritual growth that's happening best. You're protected. God is glorified, and you have the assurance of your faith. I don't know, you know which area might be speaking to you this morning. I just want to encourage you that if you're not secure in understanding your relationship with Christ, um, we would love the opportunity to talk with you about that. If you want to know more, about how to have a relationship with Christ, please let us know so that, so that you can come to understand the fullness of life that we have in Christ. And if you've been at Springbrook for a while and you just don't feel like you're growing and you're not quite sure what's next, I want to encourage you to find a place, find somebody you can talk to, get connected to a small group, find some place to serve so that you can be a part of experiencing these things that we've looked at this morning. If you're feeling disconnected from God and you just don't feel like you're growing, then, then get around some other people that can encourage you. Sunday morning is great. It's an important part of who we're called to be together, but we also need to have others around us that can speak into our lives. Sometimes it's through a small group. Maybe it's a one-on-one. Maybe it's serving on a ministry. If you don't know your spiritual gift yet, we'd love to help you do that. Whatever your next step is, I want to encourage you to be able to take that with us here at Springbrook. If we're going to develop a heart for worship, then we have to be these things together. Please let us know how we can help you. Next week, we're going to be looking at the importance of our faith and the role that that plays as we worship and serve a God that loves us and wants to experience the fullness of life that we have in Christ. Would you pray with me? Father, I just thank you for this day you've given us today. And um, God, I thank you for the opportunity that we have to be together in this place um, to worship you. Uh, God, I thank you for your provision for this ministry. I thank you for your favor that you've given us as we seek to reach our community for Christ, build passionate followers. I pray that you continue to strengthen us. God, we look forward to all that you have for us, and we set this day, we set this time aside uh, for you, to glorify you. And I pray that you continue to draw each of us closer to yourself. Uh, We look forward to all that you have for us. I pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's stand once again and sing. Yeah. Mm-hmm.
close this morning. I'm going to read Romans 15, 5, and 6. May the God of endurance and encouragement grant you to live in such harmony with one another in accord with Christ Jesus, that together you may with one voice glorify the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. So go into our lives this week glorifying God until we can come back together again and worship Him.